everyone and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas and I'm here with Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Hey everybody, it's an all Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics and every week we interact with our awesome listeners. Here's Danielle to tell you all about it. No, A.T. Johnson's gonna tell you all about it. Oh yeah? Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> you tricksters. That's true. So yes, you, you, you got your Hellboy on reading something specifically probably prescribed by Mark Tweedell and um... <laughs> Prescribe. Everyone's going to read it in advance. You're going to get your <laughs> comics from wherever, whatever medium, you know, uh, of consuming comics. You're going to read them because you're going to find out what it's going to be. And everybody's going to come on to the podcast. I'm, I'm so feeling like I'm, I'm getting my fucking Dr. <laughs> O'Danielle on here. Nice. Um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to read them. John's going to have a nice little sum. And he's going to run through and you're going to talk about it. And everyone's going to share their thoughts. And we're all going to get enlightened and edified because we figure out new shit that nobody else thought of or you know it's just amazing talking about all the crazy colors and the lines and the ideas it's great and if this is the first time you're, you're getting into this you're in for a treat because there's an amazing back catalog so welcome oh that was good friendship that and was friendship, great yeah. awesome at <laughs> johnston hey it's at johnston Whoa, awesome thank you book club member yeah awesome that's another clip from our debriefing episode thank you so much at for spending some time with us that was so much fun yeah, thank you. That was great. Hey, we got a review on the iTunes. Oh, okay. Anytime you can leave us a review on iTunes, that really helps us out with the algorithm, gets our show into the recommended slot. So I wanted to give a big shout out and thank you to WineXZ. All right. WineXZ. Book club member. Book club member. This is what fandom should be. Five stars. The hosts are all cool people who love the Mignolaverse and anyone else who is into it and comics, art, creative works in general. The podcast is great itself, solid audio quality throughout. They are knowledgeable about the Mignolaverse, do research into real-world aspects, give equal credit to artists, writers, inkers. They are also nice about differing opinions. It's such an enjoyable podcast because the discussions are about the art, not arguing with each other. Yeah. Yeah, that was really nice. Thank you so much for that awesome review. Thank you. I'm I'm glad you like our no controversy policy. Here. <laughs> I think we have plenty of controversies. We'll talk about some stuff today too. I feel like we all end up on the same side of it though, so it's oh, not I guess you're actually right. yeah. a controversy. Oh, There's not one mean. of yeah. us that's like actually I'm pro <laughs> I'm this for. bad thing. Yeah, I like racism. You know, there's nobody here <laughs> like that, yeah. or in the book club in general. I don't think any of our, you know, book yeah, club yeah. members are are like. So it's you know, generally speaking, it's a pleasant. Uh, discussion yeah and i did want to shout out also the twin peaks unwrapped podcast you know i didn't mention this i was actually featured on their show i i got to do um a little bit of voice acting and stuff like that for them. oh dude yeah twin peaks unwrapped you know i think i've mentioned them before if you're into david lynch stuff or anything like that it's a great podcast they talk about twin peaks but they also talk about a bunch of different things they do interviews with a lot of different people but one thing that I really got inspired from them was their whole show is one guy has been obsessed with Twin Peaks since it came out and one guy had never seen it. That's so great. And so it's kind of oh, like wow. they, they go through all the episodes and you get and it, that's kind that of That sounds like, fantastic. No, that's exactly what this is And I was like, too. oh, yeah, that's great. I, I kind of like that idea. I love that. That's great. Um, they do a really cool segment where they, they have people act out the deleted scenes. Oh, that's so cool. And then they talk about the deleted scenes like they have commentary on them like... 
oh, this is why this was cut, or oh, that would have been cool, you know, if they would have kept this in, then right. this would have made sense later, or whatever, you know. Sure. They're wrapping up their show after like five years and releasing oh, a book and stuff like that, and uh, they're opening up their little Unseen Players episodes to all of their listeners, and so I was like, hey. Oh, I'm, and so you're on some of those. I'm a guy, and I have equipment and stuff, and so <laughs> I was like, hey, I'll, I'll do a voice on there, and so they hit me up and sent oh, me some nice. lines and that's stuff great. like that, and so... I'll be on another one of their episodes uh, in the future, too. That's the so. second crossover you've oh, wow. had there with them. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, fun times. It's super nerdy, but if you're into Twin Peaks and stuff like that, it's a blast. Really cool, communi- really cool community they've developed over there. Excellent. Which uh, which episode were you on? 242. Community Rewatch Season 2, Episode 17 and 18. And then, so what's this? The next one is the... That that one hasn't come out yet. Okay. So I'll I'll make sure to say something. But they tagged me on Twitter and stuff like that. Super great show. Um, highly recommend them. They do great stuff over there. All right, and now we're gonna go on to our listener feedback. got a hey you damn guys from wayne mitchell hey wayne mitchell book club member yeah book club member audio audio narrator yeah yeah he said listen to the first two episodes of the lost army and i really appreciate you supporting the audiobook it was an absolute blast to record as well as the other three hellboy books i narrated i love the call out for colonel shapiro (laughs) i was aiming for dale die in the delivery but I kept leaning into Aldo Rain, uh, and I enjoyed where it was going, so I didn't shy away from it. Excellent. Awesome. That's wonderful. I have so many questions for this I know. man. I have so many questions for this person. <laughs> and uh, I want to ask him all about what it's like recording an audiobook now. It's really, yeah, it's really cool what he does, uh, like Aubrey and I have been talking about like, the last I love couple that, of episodes. I love that he threw that out, just like, I want to know more about this now. Oh, yeah, and um, but I had to look up Dale Dye, I, but when I looked him up i was like oh i know who this guy is he was in band of brothers and the pacific all of you ncos have disgraced the 101st Airborne. you can consider yourself lucky that we are on the eve of the largest action in the history of warfare he was actual marine so he got cast okay. in a lot of stuff Jeez. because he had the actual knows, like yeah. gravitas of What's... somebody who was like a general right. or something I mean, like he could that. probably be on he could probably be a little bit of a uh, a consultant too on set to be like actually no that's not what it looks <laughs> like when you yeah. All right, it's kind of like when Christopher Lee was telling Peter Jackson, that's not what it looks like or sounds like when you stab someone in the back, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, how do you, oh. And Christopher Lee's like, yeah, I, I hunted down Nazis. It's fine. Like, you know what wow, I mean? Like, yeah. That's... That's pretty incredible when we were watching the right the behind the scenes on But Lord it's of the like Rings, that, I guess. So that. that's cool. First of all, I love that he, you know, sent us a hey, damn guys and listened to these episodes. But I have so many questions. I'm fascinated by this now i want to know like more about his process and all this that's that's great yeah really cool insight he also said for anastasia i had kate beckinsale in mind excellent yeah yeah that was pretty awesome he said uh fan fiction plug because we were talking about fan fiction Ah, nice he's like i wrote a midnight run style spec script for my favorite comedian bill burr that's great wrapped in the continued adventures of raylan givens from justified the tv show 
It's called Justified Shock and Awe, and the script and poster are available on my website. What? And so I'll link that in our show notes for this episode. It's called AllThingsWayneMitchell.com. Okay, nice. Keep up the great work, and thanks again, Wayne. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, awesome. Mr. Wayne Thank Mitchell. You. so cool. That's excellent. We got some listener feedback from uh, Christopher Egan. Oh, Christopher Egan. Book club member. Yeah. Christopher said, listen to the audiobook last year. Really enjoying revisiting it with you guys. I forgot how horny this book is. Yeah, so it's a little far, bit, yeah. <laughs> so far, I've done uh, four Hellboy audiobooks that were all read by the same guy, but I'm going to get to two that have a new narrator, hoping he does as good a Hellboy. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I guess uh, Wayne doesn't do all of the books. Right. Um, but, but more of an endorsement for him. Apparently, his Hellboys. Everybody likes his Hellboys. It's really so that's good. good. That's it's good. really good. It's fun. Everything that he does on that I book get is it, really yeah. good. Yeah, he does a really good. I will. I, I really do enjoy his Hellboy, and I like that he's not trying to do like a a Ron Perlman or David Harbour. Right, he's got impression. his own thing he's, going. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it works. It totally works. Excellent. We got a Hey Damn Guys from Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell, book club member yeah. and co-host, and, and he also does the reading order for us and everything. And we love that guy. Uh, <laughs> we love Mark, you, Mark. Mark Tweedell says, totally agree The fan fiction too often gets a bad rap. There's some great fanfic out there. Yeah. Awesome. You know, and it's like, you, anyone can write a thing. You yeah. can you could do it. You can write a thing. Like Wayne Mitchell's awesome. Wayne fan. Mitchell, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, so, yeah. Lahiri's storyline sucks. <laughs> um, and that's with... That's with like at least 10 views there. So. <laughs> I hate it so much. I agree. Yeah. I also hate it so much. And uh, let's see. That said, this pizza is a slut is legitimately hilarious. I mean, it is. <laughs> I got to say, <laughs> even the first time I read this book, the Lahiri stuff was a major barrier for me. It pulled me out of what was otherwise a fun adventure. Yeah. I mean, that's a different book, mm. right? Like that it just doesn't belong in there. I feel like this is a it's different. Very, well, and, and, uh, you know, not to totally apologize all over it, but like, sure. barely anything had come out. We didn't of know the what, we, what stuff, it was yet. So, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And I just, you know, and now that I've read all of everything, yes. it's so like, <laughs> what is this? This it reads like a, like not a good fanfic, the kind that you don't want right. to read. Although, if you do want to read that stuff, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And this is not a judgment on you and what you enjoy. Feel free to read stuff like that if that's what you like to read. I'm just saying. I feel like I just really wasn't expecting to come right. across that kind of content in this story because yeah. it's just not something I'm if I if I'm going into something knowing okay this is going to be real fucked up then yeah yeah you know like if I'm watching a David Lynch movie I can expect some fucked up shit to happen but if I'm watching I guess like a Disney movie or something uh -huh. I don't know like that you're like you expect there to be a certain formula that's not going to have stuff like this in it sure so I guess I was kind of just very like it does take you out of it like Mark says it kind of takes you out of it so I just you know yeah. If we had read it chronologically, you would have been like, "Oh, remember back when they had that phase where they kept talking I, I, about that guy's." Boner? I tell you what, I might have been like, <laughs> oh, "I don't." God. I tell you what, if if I if I had read this back way back when, I don't know if I would have been like, you know, I don't know if I want to read this stuff if that's what the kind of shit that's going to be in it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just not for me. Right. If it's for you, yeah. that's fine. Again, but it's not my type of deal. So sure. anyway, I get it. I get it, Mark. Uh, Mark also said. The trap near the inn there is similar to the one I saw in Valley of the Kings. It had a steep staircase that turned sharply halfway down. Before the turn, there was a trick step, which, if you missed it, would send you tumbling off the stairs into a pit full of spikes. Because it was an archaeological site, they couldn't put up any safety barriers. You just had to pay attention while on the stairs. Wow. What the oh, some damn. Indiana Jones type <laughs> shit right there. Crazy. That is wow. wild. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. 
But I like to I like to know that there is like some historical fiction to that. Sure. Little scene that there was stuff There's like that. There's stuff like that, yeah. You know, in the Egyptian architecture. Yeah, they got traps and tricks and traps. We also heard from Jim Laurie. Hey, Jim Laurie. Book club member. Book club member. Yeah, Jim, he sent me, uh, he was sending me some stuff like, because sh- sea shanties are all popular now. Oh, oh right. Nice. You know what I we mean? We were into them before they were cool. We were. We, we were. were totally <laughs> touting sea shanties way That's, before yeah. the big resurgence. He sent me this awesome article about the Griswold Inn. This is a stately colonial building in Essex, Connecticut, and they've been hosting sea shanty sing-alongs for half a century. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and it was really cool. I was talking about, obviously, in COVID times, they've had to take a pause on that, but you know, it was about this history. So yeah, check out that article. I'll link it in the show notes. It was super cool. And yeah, we haven't had sea shanties in a while. (laughs) Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get some in the next batch of comics that we get into. Hey, if you want to record yourself singing some sea shanties with your pals. And oh, that would be great. We'll, we'll play yeah. it on here. We'll do That'd it. be cool. <laughs> Somebody do like a sea shanty version of our theme song or something. That would be cool. <laughs> I would love to hear that. With the rounds going, it'd be great. Yeah, that would be impressive. I love a good round. Or like a listener feedback theme or something that's like a sea sure. shanty. Cool. Oh, All right. And now we're going to continue with our actual book club for the week. We sure are. This week, we're continuing our discussion of Hellboy the Lost Army. This is a novel written by Christopher Golden with illustrations by Mike Mignola. The audiobook is by Wayne Mitchell. And today we're reading chapters 10 through 14. Uh, when we last left our group, they were they had fallen through this cave. They had found this cave. They found a secret passage. And then they fell through. And we pick up with them falling through the air. I couldn't help but think of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, okay. where they're just falling what? through the darkness, and they're just like, ah, do you remember that? And then they start playing games because they're like, um, because they're falling forever, and they're like, uh, want to play 20 questions? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Dude, this is a totally deep hole. Yeah. Now what? Oh, no. But so that's where this scene picks up. But it's a a lot less funny and a lot more chaotic than that. And after falling for so many seconds, like Hellboy's like, they're all going to die. Like all these people are... They had already fallen too far is what he's thinking. He's like, this is too far to survive. I mean, this is not going to work out for us. I also like this description of him trying to write himself midair to try to look at something. You know what I mean? Sure, like, he's trying to like know. reach in a st- and he talks about reaching Anastasia with his tail, his prehensile oh, tail. Oh yeah, yeah. And like grabbing her as he's falling, he kind of sees like some weird silver thing in the chasm, and then they all hit it, and it's like some giant spider web, and they're all totally stuck to it. Right? They can't move. Yeah, it's it's Ugh. grisly later on. I mean, we've we've read this or i listened to it by now so it's just grisly later when they talk about trying to get out of it oh yeah yeah like rips their skin off and shit god that is just grisly and arun lahiri he conveniently falls right on top of anastasia and how gets convenient stuck that is for anybody <laughs> uh it just sets up this horrible for moment that we're going to talk about because we have yet again more disclaimer times this week that yeah. we'll, that, that we're going to have to it's get really into. It's really very disturbing as and, we um, as we read this chapter, but we we have a little bit of ways to. I would not. I I actually did not appreciate being surprised with that shit. So it's you know it's yeah. really graphic and and if you don't feel like you're up to that, that's fine. Skip it. Yeah. So when they fall, like this guy Carruthers, 
He's one of the MI5 guys. Like, he starts losing his mind almost right away. What the bloody hell is this then? He starts, like, blaming Hellboy. He's like, come on, or what? You're going to have your friends come get us? Or are you thinking about... Oh, yeah. He calls him, oh, you big daft demon. Get me loose before some of your nastier cousins come along to eat my bloody brains. He's like, well, are you thinking of sampling my choices bits yourself? Golly. And Hellboy's just like... And he's at the same time like, get me out of here, get me out of here. So he's asking this person for help, and at the same time... Just hurling insults at him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If I depended on someone to save my life, <laughs> I probably would try and be nice to them and not yelling insults at them. So they're trying to figure out how they can what get out. About. None of them has a knife, which I thought was weird. Like it you would seems think somebody weird. in that whole party would have a blade. They're like adventurers. You think at least one of the soldiers would have one like Yeah. <laughs> they're all like traveling soldier people. Do you think that they would have several knives on each of them? But I don't know. Wouldn't it be funny if Meanie actually had a knife, but he just, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was going to say, because I predicted it last week. I thought when that dude got bit by the spider, I was like, ah, something's going to, something fucked up is going to happen to him. And it sure does, because Meanie, the one that got bitten, he starts choking and gagging. Jeez. Like almost uh, immediately when they land on the web. (laughs) Right. And so Hellboy starts running towards him and then he falls and he gets on the web. And then as he pulls his face off, it rips off part of his goatee. Holy. What's interesting is uh, his stone hand snaps right through the web. It's breaking straight through it, but the rest of him does not. Right, yeah. So that's interesting. Okay. Another reference to the exorcist, uh, Meanie starts like spewing up all this green stuff. And Hellboy says, marvelous. That's all we need. The return of Linda Blair. So I think there was another exorcist. Oh, when they talked about the little boy, Eric Powell, okay. the, and it was the guy from the goon, they said that he was like exorcist style. Ah. Yeah. Whatever. So the medallion has uh, a jackal engraved on one side and some quote unquote odd glyphs like those on the tablet Hellboy had found. And it's like getting warm in his pocket. He's right. still got this medallion. You know, in any movie or whatever cartoon you've ever seen, when there's a glowing medallion involved, just bad stuff's about to happen. He's being super gross, and uh, honestly, it's just unnecessarily gratuitous. It's super graphic. It's excessively explicit for no reason. It's way out of left field. It's just, just disturbing because I don't feel like none of us expected that. Yeah. Because no other Hellboy or Hellboy-related property that we've seen has taken it there. So we're yeah. all like, ah, didn't appreciate that. Don't feel like it's just a hard left. Just what on earth is yeah, this Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it. I mean, We don't but have to. We don't have to. That's the it, thing. Yeah. It's, this is... This is our show. We do whatever the fuck yeah, we want. So there is, we can there just is skip a it. kind of an explicit, graphic, awful thing that happens. He also <laughs> like licks her face. I don't feel like it's necessary to the story. Yeah. At While all. he's on top of her, he's trying to like bite her, and he's just like going mad from this medallion. And the thoughts in his brain are super gross. And yeah. It's, like, and we can it's all yeah. very descriptive so, of that. Yeah. And it, it says it, at one point, like his tongue even grows longer so he can lick her face. And then she headbutts. Sure. Him. So he, yeah, he's like transforming into a monster <laughs> right. or whatever. And yeah. um, and after she headbutts him, he's like, he snaps out of it. He's like, oh, he's no, like I think happened? I'm gonna be sick. And she goes, if you puke on me, <laughs> you filthy little runt, I'll tear out your fucking eyeballs with a grapefruit spoon. And Hellboy's <laughs> like, stop all that. Cut, cut that shit out. <laughs> and uh, man, when I was listening to it, I I just felt. It was just horrible, and I wanted yeah. to vomit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I audibly said, oh, no, yeah. because I knew that we were going to have to talk about it. Well, and I was just like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, as as soon as I started reading this, I'm like, what on earth is this? Is this really part of the story? Am I imagining? Like, this is horrible. What? Yeah. Why? There's yeah. just no point to it. 
So they turn their attention back to Meanie. He's like going crazy. He's ran out of breath. He needs medical attention. Here comes a spy door. Yeah, so this giant spider comes out. Here comes Shelob. We get like a little inset picture of the spider's face. I really like that Super by Mignola. Cute. Adorable. And so you've got this thing going on where like Carruthers is there. He's yelling at Hellboy to come save him. And he's also cursing him at the same time. Meanie is seizing and throwing up and all this crazy stuff. You've got Lahiri on top of Anastasia doing all this gross stuff and right. then this giant spider. Yeah, and, and so... And Hellboy's like, what do I fucking do? And this guy's like, why don't you <laughs> right. fucking yeah. shoot it? And he's like, oh, that's not going to do anything. And she's just like, well, just do it anyway, I guess, right? And so yeah. he does and, you know, I guess it works. Yeah, he's like, are you happy now? <laughs> that didn't do a damn. One leg slid into the hole in the web and it crashed onto its belly. <laughs> But then it gets up again, it surges up on its forelegs, and it starts, like, shooting all the web at Hellboy. Oh, no. And when it gets Hellboy, it's, like, burning yeah, him and stuff, Yeah, it's not right? good. Yeah, so during the fight, there are some pretty cool action moments, or, like, good Hellboy moments. At one point, he goes under it and shoots it a bunch more times, and then all the gross stuff falls on Hellboy, uh. and then Hellboy starts throwing up. I was like, that's, gross. like, a horror that's like a gross horror Hellboy thing yeah. that would happen in the comics. And then it kind of gets Hellboy. It gets his left hand. And so Hellboy kind of lets it pick him up. Ugh. And then once it's got him, then he starts hitting it right. with the right hand of doom. Yeah. I really it's like that. It's a very that. Hellboy thing That's to do. very cool. And it's like he's saying, you're starting to piss me off. Like yeah. with every single punch. Sure. It's pretty good. And he like cracks the head open. All this gross stuff comes out. Now that's pest control. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of that in there. That's very helpful. This next illustration is a full page illustration. Horrible. I mean, not like the art is good. I just mean that like, it's horrific, which is on point for what the artist was trying to accomplish. Mignola's definitely drawing some scary stuff here. And uh, some body horror for you. Oh, yeah. If you're not into that, don't look at it. If that's your thing, it's very good. Well, don't listen to this <laughs> next part either. Because yeah. Golden writes... Mandibles protruded from either side of Meanie's mouth, stretching and ripping his flesh. A chittering noise came from within him, and he buckled and thrashed on the glue-like webs. Later, his eyes bulge out and explode, and then there's spider eyes behind it and all this kind of stuff. I feel like in movies they use a lot of, like, um, cicada sounds when spiders are on screen, just because they don't, because, you know what I mean? Spiders don't really have a, it's like a super creepy sound that they that they make so they, they're trying to like they really attribute a lot of uh yeah. cicada noises to like spider movements oh yeah i think you're right you know yeah. what i'm saying now so, I think but about i it. really like i hear that in my head now but cicadas are great anyway and, and it spiders talks, are great <laughs> and it talks about um the skin is bulging out uh, of his sides and yeah. then the, the spider legs are coming out of there the meanie spider hissed still on its back and reached for Hellboy with its human arms. Uh, very like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, you know, when she's oh, turning that's into exactly that bug. Yeah. It says the pelvis burst open and then webs started coming out. Jeez. And that is, and that does remind me yeah, of the Nightmare on absolutely. Elm Street. Yeah, I love that. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't love it. No, but, but it's, yeah. it's horrific. They did a good job with those effects. So that's kind of what I. Yeah, they, they really did. That, that was freaky. Yeah. Yeah, it's very body horror in the description. And uh, so then they are both shooting webs at Hellboy and they like cocoon him up really quick. When it got to this, I was like, "What? what is going to happen? Yeah. I was like, really like, how are they going to get out of this? This is awful. As we open chapter 11, 
we're back with the MI5 guys, and Cregan wakes up. Um, there's that guy Rickman. He's like the right hand dude, I guess, or whatever. Sure. And he tells him that I guess he was supposed to wake him up, but he never did. Uh, so then when he does wake up, you ever have that feeling where you were supposed to wake up and then you're uh, like, it's the worst. you know, it's like five Awful. hours later and you were only supposed to sleep a little Terrible bit. Terrible feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that description. And then, uh, but he tells him there's a sandstorm. He says the Bedouins tell them that they, they need to zip up everything in their tents and get inside and hope it doesn't take them off the ground. Cregan is immediately like, exposition. Let's get everybody to pack up all the stuff and. I'll tell, and I'll tell you why. He literally says, I'll tell you why. That's great. Well, and he says to also tell Colonel Shapiro's people. Yeah, and he does say, I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, but I do like this because this guy has been very skeptical. And he really turns a corner here because he's like, look, there's this legend of the lost army. 5,000 people disappeared in this like giant sandstorm. And now all this crazy stuff's happening. Well, he says, we've established that something supernatural is at work here. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of movies or shows or whatever where there will be that person who's like it can't possibly happen even when it's happening in front of their right, fucking yeah. face and this guy's like hey this thing is happening i didn't think it would but it is so right, we should yeah. like react appropriately to that i like that so yeah it it's pretty good god it saves you so much grief when you're reading or watching something like that you're like ah oh. and even though they had that dick waving scene in the last uh, <laughs> set of chapters where they were all saying oh well i we we might accidentally bomb you well we might accidentally slit your throat chill now cregan <laughs> says to tell rickman to go tell colonel shapiro yeah and he's like how do i explain this to him and he goes lie just tell the stupid americans tell them that <laughs> the locals said it's going to be a crazy killing storm or whatever just get them to you know to listen get those dumb americans <laughs> moving what good were bullets against the desert itself yeah, exactly okay <laughs> back with hellboy and, and anastasia this is an interesting uh um illustration here it's another full page yeah we've got hellboy all webbed up all i really like that up. one that was cool yeah it's really good arun's losing it and he's like ah we're gonna die but he's like psyched about it he's pumped yeah and uh so that's weird and then <laughs> everything about this guy's yeah. weird and then Carruthers, the one that was going all crazy, he's just like stopped and he's kind of like just sitting there. She's headbutting him again. Yeah, she, she headbutts, headbutts him, him again. again after he says uh, that famous phrase from last week's episode. And so she's yelling at Hellboy. Hellboy's, he can't like talk because he's all webbed up. She says, what I wouldn't give for a knife, a way to get us out of here right now. The hell with a blade, Carruthers moaned. I'd kill my own mother for a cigarette right now. And she's like, ah, ah. I've got an idea, light bulb moment here. Yeah, so she, um, there's this whole scene where she's like, she can't reach her lighter. Yeah. She's got a lighter in her pocket, so she's trying to like strain and all this kind of stuff. And she's tugging against the webs that she's stuck to. And like it says here, her flesh began to tear away and she screamed in agony. Uh, she didn't look at her arm, but she knew the wounds were terrible. And said she pulled further, gnashing her jaws together like some mad dog. So she's, yeah, she's like ripping her own skin off trying to get free here. Fucked up. She so she finally gets her her lighter out of her pocket. There she's like, oh, I'm gonna burn away these webs. But then she realizes, well, if I do that, I'm going to fall. Right. And so that's fucked up. So she burns away Lahiri. Yeah. So that way he, because he's on top of her. Um, but I do want to. I got to go back to this body horror oh, moment sorry, really please. quick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, there is this part with Meanie again. The spider, which had once been Agent Meanie, still had vestigial human legs and arms. But those limbs had already begun to wither, 
as his eight spider legs carried the burden of his transforming body. Ugh. It was a revolting sight. Ugh. Yeah, I was like, wow. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> so after, she, but back with Anastasia, she burns out Lahiri. She's like, you're free. Are you you or are you still bloody Renfield? <laughs> so that is a reference to Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1897. Renfield is an inmate at the Lunatic Asylum overseen by Dr. Seward. He is thought to suffer from delusions which compel him to eat living creatures in hope of obtaining their life force for himself. Okay, is that the guy that uh, pl- was played by Tom Waits in the movie? Yeah, in the Sad yeah. Horny Dracula movie. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Listen, that movie is excellent. That is I an love excellent it. movie. I love that movie. The movie is so great. That was your description. I loved it so much. That's what I call it now. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is so great. That movie is so great. Yeah, so I did like that reference. We know that Mignolo is a fan of the Dracula novel, and there have been so many Dracula references in the Hellboy yeah. comics. Mignola did the comic for Bram Stoker's Dracula, so he I like all that. They Very took cool. some of his, um, his artwork designs a little bit. Yeah. Here and there, you can kind of tell. Now that Arun is somewhat cognizant, Anastasia tells him to take off his jacket. He's like, man, She's like, what do I do? So uh, she tells him to ball up his jacket and set it on fire. And he just whines the whole time. Yeah, he's uh, like kind of out of it. He doesn't really know what he's doing. And she's like, look at Hellboy. She's like, you need to, you know, he's dying over there. And, he, and then he starts to be like, dying? That's cool. You know what I mean? Like he starts going back and <laughs> he's, forth. He's with like, like whimpering. Oh, it hurts. And like dying is awesome. When he lights it on fire, though, he notices the spiders start to retreat. Right. And Anastasia thinks that they're running away, but they're actually just going webbing down into the abyss yeah to some other structures that are down there they like to do that in fact so she tells him like to burn their lines you know so he burns their lines um and then he lets go of the shirt i I really like the way that uh wayne mitchell read this scene because uh he really gave anastasia that that kind of like force but also like frustration with uh lahiri and lahiri he made him sound just awfully pathetic and it was kind of pretty good appropriate and 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 the and it was like a really kind of a tense scene uh, as you're listening to the audio. I'm all like, "Ooh, what's going to happen?" Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens when you get a good voice actor on on the case. Yeah. So finally, she tells him, "Look, I I need you to set Hellboy on fire." I thought that was a great plan. I was like, "Oh my god, that's it's how great. they're going to get out of it." Yeah, absolutely. That's so smart. I thought that she was going to say to light the the jacket and throw it on Hellboy. Right. That's what that's, I thought, too. That's what they should have done. I don't know. I mean, anyway. So Lahiri goes over to light Hellboy on fire, and then he hears something muffled, and it's the head. It's down there trying to say something. She's like, what is it saying? He's coming. Heaven help us all. That's what That's what the head is saying. So, yeah, there's that little thing. She's like, all right, shut up already and just light him on fire. And so then uh, sh- she's trying to light him on fire when all of a sudden a deep, firm voice spoke in her mind. I'm sorry. I can't allow that. Uh, so there's no sound, but it's like telepathic. Right. The shadows resolve themselves into a man, the embers his eyes. Pale and bearded, flesh like alabaster, blue veined and smooth green light from below reflected off his skin and gave it a sickening tint. Perhaps his skin was not perfectly white. Perhaps it had that sickening tint at all times. Uh, and so she's like, ah, it's the guy. That's Hazred. Yeah, that's the bad the guy. Sorcerer. Right? Um, it talks about that he speaks in a guttural language. Yeah, I like the sentence structure here. In truth, she believed completely that it was a language no living being outside of those caverns had ever heard spoken. He says, I cannot allow your demonic friend his freedom, I'm afraid. Not yet. 
And they notice that Arun is all entranced by Hazred now too, because like she's like she's like, hurry, do it, and he's like totally out of it. I'm a gross trance boy, tranced out gross boy. Yes, he is. <laughs> and Carruthers also tries to get in there. He's like, look, do it. This guy's a murderer. He killed all of Lady Catherine's people. He's like, don't you want to go home? And Arun's like, I don't know. <laughs> this evil wizard has read. We get a, a nice depiction of him by Mignola. Yeah. He gets like a green fireball in his hand and he throws it That's at Arun and he burns his hand and blows up the lighter too. Some Kirby crackle going on here. And there's some people crowding around him, but not people really. Only a few of them looked remotely human to Anastasia. The others were even more pale than Hazred. They were stooped and short-legged, barrel-chested. They had large heads and huge ears. Those are the uh, little gremlin dudes. Yeah, it reminded me, uh, there's a picture of them, and it reminds me of those proto-human guys yeah. that we've seen in the comics. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. Opening chapter 12, we're back with Cregan's men, the MI5, and they're heading towards the caves in the Oasis. They talk about that they think the caves are safer, and Shapiro's men will just have to hide in the oasis part. They don't even know about the caves. So we learn that the reason why Cregan notified Shapiro is not because he likes Shapiro, but because he respects the soldiers. He says they're just men in his command doing their jobs. I mean, like, it's good to know that he's not just going to let a whole bunch of people die. Right. I guess. That's, you know. Yeah. Like, he might be an asshole, but he's not a monster. Right. <laughs> they jump in these jeeps, and there's this really cool scene while they're, like, trying to make it over to the oasis from the jeeps. And there's a really good description, because you think about this, there's a sandstorm. You're in a jeep that has no windows or nothing, so as you're driving, like, all the sand is getting in your face and whipping around you and stuff like that. Within the sandstorm... They kind of get off course. They notice that the oasis is on the wrong side, so they have to like turn really quickly, and they start jumping these dunes. The description here is a jaw-clacking thud as they land. Jeez. I also like this description because when they get to the oasis, like he's just trying to find where the caves are, and in the whole swirl of the sandstorm, he can barely see. It says the hillside was spotted here and there with an ugly gray scrub brush. But for the most part, it was dull and featureless sand, earth, and stone. So he like has to look for a moment before he actually sees the caves. Like your eyes have to adjust to all that. I thought that was really cool. And it ruined the suspension of those jeeps. Yeah, exactly right. Um, at one point, the pop over a small rise, and Cregan's head bounced off the steering wheel. Jeez. His nose was crushed against the wheel hard enough to make his eyes water. <laughs> So, like, that's how crazy they're driving and that's all this kind they're of gonna stuff. They're going to bend the frame yeah. of this car or something. Like, they're just trying to get there before they get totally buried in the sand. Wreck this car apart. A, a lot of really good writing moments, but I really appreciated this. He says, um, the thought struck him. He realized how extraordinary it was that they had made it across the hillside without one of the jeeps doing precisely that, uh, tumbling over. Cregan pushed all thoughts of luck and good fortune from his mind, afraid the simple awareness of it might be enough to drive the good luck away. I feel like that all the time. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be like, hey, I'm having good luck. Like, I don't even want to acknowledge it or even <laughs> think about it because I'm like, yeah. then it's going to stop, you know? And I, I thought that was such a cool line right there. I'm the same way, John. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are some knockwood boys. Yeah, when you get on a street <laughs> So they get to the caves, they kind of check it out, and then they call Cregan over again. He can see Shapiro's troops are coming too, in jeeps and troop carriers, and they have 
flags of British, Egyptian, and American, as well as the United Nations. There's also tanks and stuff like that. So Cregan's like, I guess the bloody fool took me seriously after all. And so there's another tense moment as they're just watching Shapiro's men because they're watching like some of the trucks are some of the jeeps are flipping over and they're seeing the guys fall out and then some of them don't get up and it's this whole horrible thing like they just have to sit there in silence and watch and see are these guys going to make it or not while the storm is just like going crazy Cregan judged that little more than half of Shapiro's troops made it into the oasis so Rickman is like hey captain do you see that the sand in the sky blotted out the late afternoon sun completely, and Cregan could feel the intensity of the storm increase. Then the storm began to snake tendrils of pounding sand over the oasis like fingers of a giant hand. The tendrils began to whip down into the oasis and out into the air above it. Do you see it, sir, or is it just me? In the center of the storm, high up, there were two oblong shapes that could only be one thing, eyes. The storm had eyes, and it was looking for them. Jeez. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was not expecting that at all. Right. Uh, a couple of the, a couple of things in this book kind of surprised me. I, I did like that the guy that got bitten by the spider turned into a spider. Like right. you don't see that a lot in the Hellboy comics. So Usually, were all those spiders down there? They used to be like right, people. exactly. Because like normally in the Hellboy comics, you turn into like some eyeball thing <laughs> or whatever, some mushroom man or well, whatever the odd drew hymns hadn't been released yet <laughs> yeah you're right that's like why we don't see the frog, frog monsters monster or yeah. something. but like you know people turn into all kinds of stuff really this reminded me kind of like of the void in sledgehammer remember like the outer space like has right. two eyes yeah. the cosmic eyes and all that kind of stuff yeah i was thinking like that too and the whole thing with the black flame and the black and you know the, the, those eyes as well oh yeah yeah yeah, but the illustration here is so cool. That's classic Mignola, just like all the shadows and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, I was thinking of the Billy Idol song, Eyes Without a Face. Huh? Oh, okay. There you go. Now I got my song clip for the there week. There you go. Eyes without a face. Man, seriously, that video scared me as a kid a little bit. Oh, for <laughs> Well, actually... Creeped out would be a better way, better thing right to say on. than scared. It's a good song. Was, oh, yeah. Back with Hellboy, <laughs> all these little proto-men dude are carrying him. There's a funny description. It says, the, the pasty-faced mutant runts were like ants running away with an apple pie in some cartoon, carting him over their heads with prodigious strength. <laughs> yeah, there's a depiction of these little guys by Mignola. Yeah, they look pretty sweet, but yeah. they also look horrible. <laughs> They're great. Look like they were made out of clay. Yeah. Look at this guy. Oh, yeah. It's like one of those guys from uh, Stargate, the movie. Yeah, so we get to, there's the, there's some other guys that are sword-wielding, kind of like soldier guys. These guys are like the little... Yeah, the little dudes. The little grunts or whatever, and then you have like the soldier guys. Yeah, yeah. There is a moment where there's some pretty interesting descriptions as they're, they've got them all and they're taking them, they're taking all the prisoners like in a line or something like a parade. It mentions that Hellboy could feel Lady Catherine, her spinal stump squirmed against his leg from time to time. And though he had a strong stomach, it made him want to puke. So now even Hellboy wants to throw up because of this decapitated head. A spinal stump squirming around? (laughs) No, um, thank you. And then when they get into this underground cavern, there's a moment where Hellboy's like, ah, you know, like, I'm actually interested in this. Yeah. Like, I actually wish I knew more about this instead right. of just trying to survive. Like, and he thinks of Professor Broom. Sure. And stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, because there's a lot of fascinating 
whatever glyphs and artifacts and like uh, whatever you want to look at that stuff and appreciate the history and and all that but you're being attacked by monsters right (laughs) it also mentions that hellboy can understand their guttural language but they don't think he can understand it okay yeah And so we talked about him being like uh having that uh yeah understanding arcane languages or something like that yeah if you're in D &D, Mm D, that would be like a whole thing a special like demonic race so you have this ability to understand whatever abyssal and all this other stuff so right that's kind of a very uh rpg type of deal there i like that it's interesting so Hellboy's still all webbed up. They have him gagged with webs, I think, too. Gross. And finally, that guy Carruthers, you know, he's been going off and back and forth the whole thing. And he's like, come on, you bloody freaks. Come and get some if you want to die Jeez. so bad. Wow. I'll be happy to go with you, freaks. <laughs> they, like, fucking stab him, right? Or yeah, because he's talking a lot of shit. Too much shit. Too much shit talking. And so Hellboy's been trying to break free of the webs all this time, but they're too tight. But when they stab Carruthers, like, he loses it, and he's able to finally break out. But it's too late. Carruthers is already doubled over in pain, and then one of them chops him in the head with an axe. Golly. You little son of a bitch, Hellboy shouted. Damn you, he was out of his mind, couldn't you tell? They don't give a fuck, they don't give a damn. Right. So he's, uh, he's getting speared. Through the legs and the tail and his abdomen and his arms, just all over his body, basically, I guess. He's being stabbed, super stabbed. Then he puts up his right hand and the swords shatter on his fist. Which oh, is yeah, super yeah, cool. that was really cool. That's neat. And he's like, stop that. <laughs> You're enjoying this, aren't you, Hazred? You sick bastard, Hellboy accused. You could have prevented that. Why should I have wanted to? He asked telepathically. telepathically. So that's one thing that's interesting, too, is... No matter, they'd mentioned this a couple of times, no matter who he's talking to, they all hear it. Yeah. Is there like a little echo in the audiobook? Is there like a little effect on there? No, it's not. Really? No. But interesting. The guy just does a, he does a different voice. Okay. Wayne Mitchell does a specific You think there would have been like Hazard. a little bit of an effect on there, but uh, okay, that's cool. I'm not the sound engineer for the audiobook, you know, you make your own <laughs> uh, creative choices, that's fine. So cool. he says, look, you, you're going to be, you're going to come along with me or I'm going to kill your other friends. So Hellboy's like, mm-hmm. all right then. He says, uh, you seem to know my name, demon. What's yours? They call me Hellboy, he answered. How diminishing, Hazred responds. I wonder how long he can record for without like needing to... Like, How long are the sessions, the recording sessions that he... Yeah, I have no idea. I have so many questions. It's like an eight-hour book or whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, how long is the audiobook? Yeah, that's what About I'm saying. So. It's, I think it's like eight or nine hours. Wow. So like, I, I wonder how many sessions... Seven or eight hours, yeah. Wow. I wonder how long he can uh, record for, like how long his sessions are. I wonder what his go-to, like, you know, like in-house drink. I wonder if it's like, you know, warm tea with honey or something. Yeah. I want to know. <laughs> like, I want to know these things. I hope you have a plan, Anastasia said softly. Don't I always, Hellboy asked. <laughs> oh, great, Anastasia sighed and rolled and her rolled eyes. So they continue to be led down underground and they come across like this ancient village. There's a citadel in the middle. Oh, I lost my place in the book. Sorry. I like I love this um, illustration here. This, yeah, you know, he signed it and everything. It looks great. We see a lot of these kinds of underground cities in the Mignolaverse, so this is totally really in line nice. with that. Yeah. At the center of the village was a huge pool of water, which Hellboy assumed was part of an underground river system. The water rippled outward from the center of the pool, though Hellboy could not see any reason for the surface motion. I like that the cavern was lit with a bright, eerie green glow. I like yeah. that. 
And so he saw a green glow when he was in that lake earlier. Yeah. He also saw it in the cave. So he's starting to like think like, what is it that's connecting he's all of this together? together. Cause the, yeah, it's like emanating. It says here it's emanating from the pool itself from deep within the water. Oh, what's in there? And Anastasia's like, look, people. <laughs> These were indeed people, paler than anyone in Egypt. He was certain, but more definably human than any of the beings he had encountered thus far. For starters, they had hair. I like this lady, this illustration here. Yeah, and so, well, I don't know how much I like her because Arun goes up to her and he's like, look, we're just academics. We're just trying to like... No, I'm talking about the and illustration then, is and good. Then she Obviously, slaps she's him not... No, <laughs> she slaps him right in the mouth. He probably deserved right that, Right across though, the yeah. face. Oh, sure does. Yeah, absolutely. But she didn't know that he was a... That he had an incel medallion. Look, maybe she, maybe she does know that. Maybe that's exactly why <laughs> oh, she slapped okay. him. Oh, okay. Maybe that's why. Yeah, she's so, like, you're the jackal. So I kind of like her. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of like her. And as they go through the village, Hellboy's like, "Wow, these people are like normal. Like they have lives and they're self sufficient. They have a resident magician. It was some kind of horrible society with <laughs> their twisted tunnel dwelling brethren living on the outskirts of the community." Eating their table scraps, Hellboy thought with disdain. Jeez. So yeah, they have all the like people on the inside, and then those troll guys are doing all the work or whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of exactly what would right. happen in Hollow Earth too. You know, they had um, those proto people eventually uh, rose against their masters, yeah. and that's why like they were the do. dominant ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, the head of Lady Catherine starts screaming and. Hellboy's like, uh, okay, what's what's up? What's going on? And she's like, I remember everything now. I, you have to get out of here because uh, Martiku is coming. And you're the instrument of his resurrection, Hellboy. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, like uh, also when uh, he goes to pull uh, Lady Captain out of the bag, the soldiers come up and he just like ignores He's them. He's just like, yeah, away. No, <laughs> <laughs> and, and And I do like this one description where he pulls the head out and he says, Lady Catherine, what is it? What's wrong? Now, he wanted to add, what's wrong now? Yeah. What he was pretty sure it would be lost on her in her current condition. Yeah. But yeah, I do like those little moments where Hellboy's just getting frustrated with this whole thing. <laughs> As we open chapter 13, the head of Lady Catherine continues to scream, Beware the jackal and flee. Beware the jackal and escape Martiku. And he's like, what jackal? What is all this? Hazred has gone to raise the army. He will return. A sacrifice will be made, and Martiku will invade our, your plane of existence. So she says she our initially, herself. and then she's like, wait a minute, I'm dead. She's, you're. She's going to invade your plane of existence <laughs> yeah. here. And I like this part where he's like, what jackal? What army? She's like, the lost army. So it's they say the name of the book in the, inside of the book. We love it when you say the name of a movie in the movie. Yeah. We've got that here. It's good stuff. This is the best p- bit of writing, I thought. I really love this. In that moment, Hellboy realized he hated oracles. Uh. They always gave just enough information to create fear and paranoia, but not enough to do anything constructive. With a sigh, he dumped her head back into the bag. I love that description. I just imagine him with the sack, and he's like, ugh. He just tosses it in there, and it like rolls around in the bottom of the bag. (laughs) That was great. I love that little commentary. Because oracles are like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, that is the stereotypical, such a, like, yeah. yeah, the stereotypical like movie or book, right? You're gonna have an where you have an oracle. It's but like, they oh, should watch out. They should put that in the comic or in one of the movies or something for Hellboy to give that commentary sure. on it because I think that is so good. I don't know if I've or have a useful oracle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because you know it could be good to to subvert the uh, the trope. That might be nice. 
So we have this one scene, we cut back to the desert really quick, and we reveal that around the oasis, there are 50,000 men returning to terrible unlife. They yeah. drag themselves from the sand, the lost army of canvases. So that's the lost army that went missing, and now they're starting to rise out of the oasis where we know that Cregan and, Sh- and Colonel Shapiro and all the other humans are hiding. Back with Hellboy... Jackals and armies, and I'm the key to Marty Coup's invasion plans? I don't know. And they're led to this altar or stage or something. And uh, for a moment, Hellboy's like, should, should I just try to break them out of here now <laughs> before Hazard comes back? Like, what should I do? But then in the middle of all this, here comes Lahiri again. Ah, oh, come on. He comes at Anastasia, and he starts clawing at her, and he knocks off her baseball cap, and his saliva's all over her and everything. Hellboy gets him and moves him away. It says that he tries to scratch Hellboy, but his hand just scrapes harmlessly across his chest. And so Hellboy picks him up. I like this this description with the right hand of doom by both arms. And so his feet are just dangling there. And as he's dangling, he's like trying to bite at Hellboy and all this kind of stuff. And Hellboy's like, what do I do with him now? To Anastasia. I love the thought of that. that He's just hugging. He's like, what do I do with this guy? And we get a depiction of Anastasia... I guess when she's got her baseball hat knocked off and everything. And um, yeah, she looks pretty terrified and also pissed off at this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Lahiri lunges forward and bites Hellboy hard on the nose. Holy. And Hellboy throws him to the ground and he goes right for Anastasia again. But this time she's ready for him. She uses his own momentum and flips him onto his back on the stone cavern floor where he landed with an audible crack. And then he starts going into his rage again, where he's calling her all sorts of obscene names, and he's threatens sexual violence, and he says he's going to kill her, and <sighs> yeah, all that Great. kind of stuff. <laughs> Hellboy says, listen, you Fruit Loop, if your brain hadn't gone to the Bahamas, I'd pop your head off like you were a Pez dispenser. Mm. Fruit Loops is a breakfast cereal by Kellogg's, <laughs> introduced in 1963. Originally, they were only red, orange, and yellow Fruit Loops, but green, blue, and purple were added in the 1990s. Toucan Sam is the mascot since its first appearance, and Pez is the brand name of the Austrian candy and associated manual candy dispensers. Just some chalky, chalky, chalky candy. Early Pez dispensers did not have the (laughs) character heads on them. A regular dispenser is just a rectangular box. The toy character head dispensers were introduced in 1955, after the candy was introduced in the United States. There are over 550 unique Pez dispenser heads and thousands of variations. You know, I was thinking of uh, Stand By Me. Uh, Corey Feldman, when they tell him, oh, well, if you right. could eat one food for the rest of your life, sure. what would it be? He goes, cherry-flavored Pez. <laughs> no, that was Jerry That was Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, because it, it's Vern. He's all like, no, no question, cherry-flavored Pez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Gross. That's great, yeah. So, yeah, finally... Sure. Uh, Hellboy cocked back with his right hand and slapped Arun hard on the face with a stone hand. Arun stretched back and up as if he were standing on tiptoe or perhaps an inch or so above the ground, then fell on his back on the cavern floor. And I wrote in the margins, KO! Yeah. Because it kind of seems like that, right? <laughs> yeah. When you, they fly backwards like that. That's a good description. And Hellboy's like, don't get up. And that's the thing that he says a lot, too, yeah. in the comics and the movies and all that. So I like that. I want to stay down. So then they hear that guttural language. Someone's telling them to restrain him. So they restrain Lahiri. And just then, 
Hazred appears again. And so he's in front of this, like, stage or altar, and he wore fresh robes. They seem to be woven from gold or perhaps bronze themselves. And he calls them his guests. She says, uh, is this how you treat all your guests, Mr. Wizard? (laughs) So this might be a reference to Don Herbert. He was better known as Mr. Wizard. He was the creator of and the host of Watch Mr. Wizard and Mr. Wizard's World. There were educational television programs for children devoted to science and technology. And there's a great compilation on YouTube of Mr. Wizard just owning all these kids. <laughs> like, like he would he would make fun of the kids. Jeez. Like back in the day, and people have compiled them together. Look at all the paper you wasted. You count that as a fold? That's enough. Okay. Because I already see that it's not random. Don't jump to conclusions. Why isn't it random? You, I thought told you to write down random numbers. What do you mean, not exactly? Can you well, see it or can't you? Well, you're right, but for the wrong reason. Sounds logical, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, that's wrong. Wrong. It's wrong? Wrong. Uh-huh. Wrong. That's right. Not right. That's how I was wrong? That's how you were wrong. It's pretty good. Anyway, Mr. Wizard, I laughed at that. And he says, well, we've never had guests before. So the question would appear to be moot. We've only had prisoners before, and no, none of them ever returned. Primarily because none of them ever left alive. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a very villain, you know, stereotypical yeah, villain. They've never returned because nobody returns alive. It's good stuff. He says that they're preparing for Martiku's return. And he also mentions that in defense of their little village, he's called up their own army to combat them. So now he's telling Hellboy and Anastasia that the Lost Army is going to get all the soldiers and Cregan's men and everybody that are up on land. And now he's like, I'm going to tell you my story. I'm going to tell you my half of the story. You all know about the Lost Army and how Cambyses' army disappeared. Well, now I'm going to tell you what really happened. So he basically says that they lived in the Oasis for centuries, but he wanted to learn more. So he set out to investigate the world and discover things, and he sought all manner of arcane knowledge. And he learned of this Sumerian magician, Martiku, one of the most powerful men who ever breathed the air of Gaia. In Greek mythology, Gaia is the personification of the earth and one of the Greek primordial deities. Gaia is the ancestral mother of all life. He reveals in his exposition that Martiku was also an incel. He got so mad with unrequited love that he sunk Atlantis to the sea. Okay. But he still exists on the other side of the veil. The oh-so-thin veil. And I do like that. We talk about that a lot in the Hellboy comics on the other side of the veil. You know, is separating us in this kind of like um, magical world or, you know, the elsewhere and all of that. He talks about that Marty Koo was like one of the Elder Ones themselves. We kind of talked about those Lovecraftian references in the last episode. And so... He comes back to the Oasis with all his knowledge, and he basically tells the people who have been burned since then, I will give you blessing upon blessing if you swear your allegiance to Martiku. So then they did. And he's like, that was 567 years before the birth of the prophet you call Christ. And I'm like, and you still haven't followed through with your blessing? Like, I mean, how long are these people going to wait, dude? Like, I mean, how how long ago was it that you promised them this thing? Anyway, better be good, right? So then he talks about that's when the Persian general Cambyses came, or they sent a representative, and then they tore out his tongue and sent him back. 
So then that's when Cambyses sent the Lost Army, the 50,000 troops. But Marty Coup knew they were coming, so they summoned this sandstorm. The sa- a sandstorm as had never been seen before nor since, until today, of course, Hazred says, the day when Marty Coup will finally return. He also mentions that there were only 17 people left from the Lost Army, and those people became part of their tribe. And so these people have, like, for hundreds of years, like, just reproducing, and that's, like, this whole society that's down there. And so that brings us to where the book started off, right? Lady Catherine, her team got there, they found the oasis, and when they figured out that people had found the oasis, they went and tried to find someone to host for Mardi Coup. None of them were powerful enough, so they killed all of them, figuring maybe some more powerful people will come back. So all this, like, their plan has totally worked because now Hellboy's there and now they've gotten their vessel or whatever. There is a a creepy description of Hazred where Hellboy talks about, like, how he's all beautiful and, you know, and his robes are all extravagant, but his mouth reflected his true nature. When he smiled, he instilled only pure revulsion. Most of his teeth were green and crumbling with rot, save for six or seven which had been replaced with sharply pointed bronze fangs embedded in his gums. Okay. Jeez. I know, right? That's commitment. And Hazred comes over, and he, like, strokes Hellboy's cheek with his fingers. Gross. And then he notices Hellboy's right hand. And he's like, oh, the master will be even more powerful. He will unmake the world with the clenching of his fist. And Hellboy's like, what the crap is that? What are you babbling about? So remember, this is six years before Seed of Destruction. Sure. So Rasputin hasn't yeah. given his whole, we don't hey, know any of this. Yeah. you know, Hellboy doesn't really know anything. So this would all still be new to him. And so they're like, this is going to be awesome. You know, not only did we get a good candidate for Marty Coup, but he's like, you know, he's a destroyer and he has all these hidden powers. It also says Hazard starts to wonder if, like, uh, can Hellboy understand him or was he just like, you know, commenting because, you know, he couldn't understand him. So Hellboy, he's starting to maybe put together that maybe Hellboy can understand oh, what yeah, he's saying. Yeah. So Hellboy's like, wait a minute, let me get this straight. You want to evict me from my body so this Marty guy can have some place to live when he comes home? No vacancy. <laughs> That's a very Hellboy line. Yeah. He tries to attack Hazred, but there's like an invisible wall. The force that he put in is then hit on him from this invisible wall, and it knocks him to the ground. He tries to go after them again, but then they hold a blade up to Anastasia's neck, and they're like, we'll kill her. So then he goes, all right. What about him? Hellboy asks, gesturing to Arun. He is beyond your control, Hazred says. Your companion has begun a journey he must yet complete, but I will gladly help him. So then he goes over to him, and he's like, you idiot. You were supposed to wear this medallion around your neck to become the ultimate incel. So now I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to put the amulet around your neck. Already your darkest desires and emotions have surged forth, but without wearing the medallion properly, your physical form cannot comply with those desires. So he puts it around his neck and he taps the medallion twice and then... Almost as if he were trying gently to wake a sleeper. Right. It's interesting. And all of a sudden, Lahiri starts going all mad. Freaking out. What the hell did you do to him? Hellboy demanded. I have done nothing. Your friend is altering himself, Hazred responds. And I like that uh, it says here, Anastasia, her tone drew Hellboy's immediate attention. Uh, he glanced at her, then down at Arun, who was changing. So she's she's like, Hellboy? Like, right. what are we... What? Yeah. This is not... <laughs> no. 
Chapter 14 opens up back at the Oasis. So Colonel Shapiro has gotten to the Oasis. He tells them to circle all the vehicles like an old John Wayne Westerns. John Wayne is the American actor and popular icon um, who made a bunch of Western films in the 1920s to 1970s. He kind of sucked. Uh, the, but there's a whole phrase. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole phrase, circle the wagons. That's literally oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what that is. And so he's like, how many did we lose? About 300, maybe more. And then he pauses for a second. He's like, well, how many Americans? Uh, what a jerk. Uh, They're like, about 100. He's like, about 100? I'm going to have to write 100 condolence letters? Golly. And the guy's like, let's just hope we make it out of here so you can write them. Fucking... It seems like he's more concerned with his level of paperwork than he actually is for the lives of people. That yeah, that's why he's yeah. a dipshit. Ugh. So back with Cregan, I, I like this because... When they found out that it had eyes, I didn't mention this when they first saw the eyes, but he's like, I'll take first watch. Like, he's immediately like, we got to watch this thing. Yeah, this is not This is good. a thing, and it's looking for us, and we need to be watching it because it's looking for us. Sure. So they're all, like, taking watch for it. It says, every time he glanced out of the cave, he looked up to make sure they were still there. They'd never gone away. Every so often, a weird and terrible thunder boomed rolling across the sky. It sounded like laughter. And he's like, do sandstorms have thunder, or am I going Ugh. crazy? Um, I think they can. Can they? I don't know. I should have looked that up. No, surely not. It'd be like, you know, like uh, static friction causing lightning, and that would cause the thunder. Really? Hmm. I didn't, I am, I didn't know that. I mean, that, I, I could just be remembering a Mad Max movie. That's I'll be honest. Good, uh, you know what? <laughs> I, there might be Mad Max, but that was a look super cool, though. One of the fascinating features of volcanic cloud plumes is extraordinary displays of lightning. Uh, similar discharges occur in sandstorms and in the dust blown up by helicopters flying over deserts, causing dangerous arcing. I wow. I guess so. Okay. I mean, so yeah, I guess thunder would happen if there's lightning. Yeah. Yep. I didn't even know any of that shit. That's pretty cool. Wow. Um, but I did like this. Uh, Cregan is like, he vowed that should he and his men survive the storm and whatever hid within it, preying on the soldiers in the oasis, he would never come within a thousand miles of Hellboy again. <laughs> this shit followed him. So now it's uh, his shift is up, and now it's somebody else's shift, and I like this. He's like, I'm going to send the next guy in an hour. That's about all anyone can take. Yeah. Because he's already going crazy, and he's like, if I can't, then yeah. they, the shifts need to be shorter. So Cregan, he get, finally gets his relief, but then he gets called back again by the next guy. They're like, you've got to see this. And he's like, what is it? People, sir. A lot of people. What are they doing here, Captain? How can they stand it out there? So Cregan, and again, they do a great description of, like, they can barely see anything. So it takes him a second to, like, see exactly what it is. And he's thinking, he's like, oh, we're going to have to help these these people, you know, bring them into the cave and, and see if we can help them. But then he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't see this shit. There was a sudden lull, and then a shape began to assert itself on the edge. Yeah. Not just one shape, but several. Dozen. More. They stood still, straight and tall, on the edge of the oasis basin. They were side by side, and it was clear, squinting through the painful flying sand, that many of these figures carried weapons. They did not sway in the gale. They did not move at all. More than a dozen or two. More than one hundred. Or two. More than one thousand. Or two. <laughs> and we get a depiction by Mignola here of these, like, they're the lost army guys. No, the zombie good. boys, right? Yeah, zombie boys. Thousands upon thousands of warriors, unharmed by the sandstorm, standing as if paralyzed. Weapons drawn at the edge of the oasis, waiting. So then they hear more thunder, and the lost army starts moving into the oasis. Ew. Yikes. 
Big yikes. Back with Hellboy and Anastasia, they're freaking out because Arun Lahiri's changing. Turning into a werejackal. Nose and mouth grew closer together, his forehead came down, and his chin disappeared. His ears disappeared only to be replaced by two pointed brown furry things, pink inside. And he began to howl. The uh, the description kind of reminded me of the movie American Werewolf in London, where he changes to a werewolf. Right on. Yeah, I do like that, Aubrey, because he's he's screaming, and then it turns into a howl, right? Yeah, and and you can also see like the way his like uh, his bones shift and his face contorts. You know, you can really see how a, a person could turn into a monster. It's pretty creepy. Yeah, you <laughs> want to talk about something scaring you when you were a little kid? For that sure. is one right. of the most incredible werewolf transformations I think ever on oh, film. Yeah. And it's an old movie, right? It's it, it's pretty, right. you know, for its, it's time from, they had to use practical effects and it's stuff. It's from the like early that. 80s. I think it came out around the same time as the thing. Right. I found this excellent article or actually like it was an exhibition and I guess they turned it into a website. It's called Death Dogs, the Jackal Gods of Egypt. If you just Google that, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's an incredible, like, very comprehensive website of all the different, um, if you're interested in the Death Dogs or Jackal Gods of Egypt. Um, it really goes into a lot of detail. I took a little blurb from there. It says, the ancient Egyptians worshipped a number of gods associated with the mythical Black Jackal, all of whom were connected to death and the afterlife. Only a few of these gods were well-known even to the Egyptians, Anubis, Wepwawet, and Duamutef. I'm probably saying those wrong, but many other jackal gods were also revered, often as local deities. So yeah, there's a huge history of jackal worship and what it means and how it came about. And if you want to know more about it, you can check out that excellent exhibition article. I'll link that in the show notes for this week's episode. Right on. Oh, I put that in there because it says the Egyptians called it the Howler. I actually couldn't find reference to that, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't true. The jackal man glared at Hellboy with yellow eyes. It yapped angrily, then used its powerful hind legs to launch itself across the cavern towards them. And Anastasia's like, Hellboy, you've got to st- find a way to stop him without killing him. And he's like, I'll try, you know, I'm trying to. I'm sitting there thinking, eh, he doesn't really have to. <laughs> <laughs> Back with Cregan and his men. So, you know, they're in the cavern, they see the Lost Army out there, and I thought this was kind of cool, because Cregan's like, what do y'all want to do? Like, this is the first time he kind of gives up his leadership role, and he's like, I want to hear what ideas you have, I'll leave it up to you guys, whatever you want to do. After a little bit, so they're kind of like, look, maybe the Lost Army won't find us here in the caves, or maybe we're sitting ducks by being here, so we got to figure out what to do. They finally all look at everybody, and finally Rickman is the one that speaks up. And he says, I don't want to die, but there's all those soldiers down there, and they don't deserve to die either. He goes, I guess the Egyptians and the Americans deserve saving, but if I let the British soldiers die, I'll never be able to look at myself in the mirror. So then Cregan's like, all right, let's do this. No more than 100 yards away, the line of dead soldiers continued their descent. So they go outside, and they're like, ah, we got lucky. Their jeeps are still out there. So they jump in the jeeps. And start going. Back with Hellboy and Anastasia and Arun Lahiri, the Jackal Man. So Lahiri was kind of like a little wimp, but the Jackal is super strong. It knocks Hellboy down without any problem. Hellboy's punching the thing in the face, and there was a crack. Though he was fighting a creature that had been a friend not long ago, 
Though Anastasia had pleaded with him not to harm Arun, he could not help but feel a sense of satisfaction at that sound. And there's a point where Hellboy's like, I'm a monster too. Like, I'm a monster fighting a monster, which is kind of like, um, you know, that's a that's kind of in line with the Hellboy sure, stuff. Sure, he's, I'm a monster. But it's, <laughs> he's, uh, but he's, he tells himself, no, I'm civilized. Yeah. It's fine. And again, Anastasia's like, Hellboy, please. And he's like, I'm trying. But the jackal bites down on his arm. Hellboy says, back off, Fido. And then another dog reference. He says, down, boy. There's never a rolled up newspaper around when you need All one. Right. <laughs> so Hellboy starts thinking, well, maybe if I can choke this guy, I can like make him like run out of air, you know, without hurting him. But then the jackal slams into Hellboy's legs and it knocks him over into the water, into that pool that was in the center of this cavern. I like here he's he's like, oh, as they struggled, Hellboy could see a warren of tunnels underwater leading away from the pool. Ah. And one seemed to go up. That's where the green light actually emanated from. Yeah. It's nearly blinding and spreading. I like, I like uh, a warren of tunnels. I yeah. like that. That's good. Yeah. And so um, as he's underground, and again, that's kind of like when he was falling through the air, like as he's struggling underwater, he's like, oh, there's some shit over there. Yeah. Mental note. Absolutely. Jot that down. <laughs> the jackal tore into his shoulder. Furious, he heaved his fist at the jackal's body and shoulders again and again. So he just starts beating the shit out of it. And it says... Put simply, Hellboy lost his temper. Eh. It was a common occurrence. And talks about how it's lucky that it's underwater because it kind of slows the punches a little bit. And maybe Mm -hmm. like he doesn't do the jackal as much damage as he probably would. But finally, his chest is tightening underwater after all the struggling and he has to get back up for air. How long do you think Hellboy can hold his breath underwater? Probably a lot longer than like people can, right? Yeah, so when he went down into the lake when he fought the cyclopean yeah. eyeball thing, she mentioned that yeah. like he can go down there for a long time. He can time. be down there for a long time. Cuz I think there was even a point where Lahiri was like, is he ever going to come back sure, up? Sure. And she's like, no, he can He's good. He's good for a while he's or whatever. Okay, right yeah. on. Cool, cool. But he's been down there too long and it says that he whips his tail back and forth to like shake himself in the water. And try and loose the jackal from its uh, from his grip on him. And it says, the jackal's jaws slacken and he shook loose. Hellboy surged upward, breached the surface of the pool, and sucked in vast lungfuls of air. He turned to deal with the jackal, but he's just floating there in the water. Slowly rising through the greenlit water. And Hellboy knew what that meant. Oh, damn it, he whispered. Oh, no. So he killed him, or yeah. he drowned. He's like, man, I, sorry, I had to like kill this guy. It was yeah. like a fight to the death kind of a thing, and he you tells, know, it is what it is. He tells Anastasia, I tried not to. She nodded, but wouldn't look at him. She understood. She knew him too well not to, but that didn't make it any easier for her. So finally, the sorcerer has ready. He's like, take them now. And Hellboy says, so much for your hospitality, buddy. The plaza this ain't. Ah, wah, wah. <laughs> The Plaza Hotel is a luxury hotel and condominium apartment building in Midtown Manhattan in New York City. Right on. And that's where we're going to wrap up on this episode. So, yeah, I do want to talk about this a little bit. So, all the people that went down into the caves with them died. Yeah. It's just Hellboy They're and and, uh, and Anastasia now. So, even, yeah. so, remember that guy Rickman wanted to go and... Cregan was like, no, you can't because you like Hellboy too much. But he probably saved his life yeah. by doing that or prevented him from the very least of becoming like a Spider-Man or Spider-Monster <laughs> or Jackal-Man or right. whatever. But that was the other thing I was going to say. So, Meanie got bit by a spider. He turned into a spider. This guy turned to put a Jackal thing on and uh, turned into a Jackal. 
I think that's kind of neat. I don't think we see that enough in the comics where they turn into sure. the actual Monsters. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mostly I, think we, I think we see a lot of that. Well, that's what I was saying. I I think with the Plague of Frogs and the Audrahem stuff, mostly they turn into like weird. Oh, you're talking about like monsters. But stuff. I'm saying like this guy like turns it. into a spider. This guy spider. turns into sure. a jackal. Like they're turning straight up into the animals. Yeah. Or whatever. So anyway, I thought that was just interesting. I like that variation on I'm turning into a monster. Right, now. right, right. A where where spider where jackal. Yeah. So. Is Lady Catherine's head, does he still have the head? I guess. So that might play a role. Sure. A Maybe. gross, yeah. disgusting role. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see the head come back one more time. Sure. I want to see somebody else throw up because of the head. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. It's a good running gag. Yeah. So Marty Koo wants to be in Hellboy's body. So, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Are they going to totally Man. prevent it? They're is he going to try to do that. Is They're he going to start to get in Hellboy's body and then at the last minute? I hope Hellboy doesn't become an incel. Or whatever, because this guy Marty Koo is like the incel nah, god or whatever, you know. So let's hope that they don't do that to, nah. to our good old Hellboy. I guess he find had out to... next week. Yeah. Um, is, is, are they an incel <laughs> or not? <laughs> and then, uh, is it going to be that big a deal to Anastasia that he killed this guy? No. You think she's going to be fine. all right with it, or you think she's going to be like, I can't trust you? Because he was already. They're going to be like, he was already it. gone. He was already gone. It wasn't okay, him. In yeah. the end, it wasn't even him. It was a weird jackal monster incel guy. So it wasn't yeah. even the guy anymore. And, and, and she really did describe him as a fond acquaintance earlier in the sure. book. So yeah, <laughs> even when She'll he was being kind of a dick, you know. Yeah, he wasn't like a total fucking asshole. I'm excited to wrap up this book. I'm excited to see how everything ends. Um. I kind of want Cregan to make it. Okay. You know what I mean? They've kind of, at the end of this thing, they've decided like, ah, we're going to go out in a blaze of Jolly glory. Jolly good. Pip, pip. And if, if we all die together, Cheerio. that's going to be it. And I kind of don't want this guy to die. Right. You know, usually the human stiff official, usually you don't really care about them or they're the villain, but this guy's turned on me. Yeah, he's... I kind of like him now. So he's I, trying. I kinda, yeah. I kind of hope that him and Rickman make it. He's One of them's going to die, probably. Though. Sure. Oh, yeah. Either him or Rickman. Most likely. Maybe he'll like sacrifice himself and do a super cool good deed. And Oh, so uh, I was going to say that. Okay. They always have that redeem themselves. Remember when, uh, remember when she was like, light your jacket on fire to Lahiri. And then he's like, oh, it's burning my hand. I thought he was going to sacrifice himself in that moment. Or huh. something was going to happen right. where he was going to catch on fire. Or something, and then he was going to have redeemed himself at the last moment. Sure. It, you know. But and, no. But no, that no. never happened. Drowned as a jackal man. <laughs> yeah. A were, a were jackal. A drowned were jackal. Wow. Yeah, it's been interesting. Sucks the, for the, that guy. The, I know what it does. But yeah, that that's one thing I think is interesting about these books. I guess it happens in the comics all the time, but it seems like they just kill people left and right oh, yeah. in these books. Like Big all time. the agents oh, yeah. and everybody. They're all completely expendable though, yeah. to be fair, because we've never seen them before. <laughs> we sure don't want to keep seeing them. So yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll see. I'm excited to see how this novel wraps up and I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, what do you, what are you thinking of the novel so far? Are you enjoying the audiobook? You know, it's so great yeah. to hear from Wayne Mitchell. It was great hearing from Wayne Mitchell, and I want to. I now want to listen to the audiobook because that's so cool. Oh, I highly oh, yeah. recommend it. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. If you have uh, access to the audiobook, definitely check that out. It's a great way to enjoy the book, even if you've already read it. You know, kind of kind of sure. experience it anew. Yeah. Um, with the audio version, it's definitely worth it. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody, that was a fun. Uh, 
I'm putting air quotes fun story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to know what you think. Send us a hey you damn guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website and our Facebook About section and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to the Side Street Steppers for the musical theme. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Mark, for helping John with the reading order. Thank you, John, for being awesome and making us sound awesome. And Danielle, thank you for being awesome. Uh, you can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, uh, while you're at it, uh, leave us a review. If you're downloading it on the iTunes, give us a nice little review. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Uh, Next week, we are finishing Hellboy the Lost Army by reading chapters 15 through the epilogue. So you know what to do. Turn to your bookmark where you left off in the book. Uh, Hit play on the audio book. Join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm a horrible werejackal. And I'm Aubrey Loveless saying... Now that's pest control. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh man. <laughs> the Lost Army. Yeah.